Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. Since early 2019, I've been interviewing the most successful and innovative recruitment owners to learn how they rose to the top of their game. In season seven, I'm going to be having raw, authentic and insightful conversations with agency owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, people across the industry. And I want to be learning about their ambitions, what's happening behind the scenes in their agencies today and their plans to navigate difficult market conditions. I'll be bringing you the latest and greatest recruitment stories every single week on Wednesdays at noon across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast on this week's show. I was joined by Dan Musa and Kevin Warner, the founders of Teleska. Teleska is an 11-month-old recruitment business headquartered in Brisbane with a completely unique model. These guys recruit in the uh, energy and sustainability space, and they've literally ripped up how to do recruitment and done it their own way. So they've built a productized model that is 100% retained, and they every recruiter in their business has seven years' experience and is supported by a candidate manager working offshore in the Philippines. In 11 months, they've generated 1.6 million Australian dollars, and they're on for... In their second financial year, because in Australia, it's July, it starts. They're on for $2.1 million with a team of currently eight people, soon to be 11 people. It's bonkers. In this episode, we talk about how they met, how they started the business, why they started the business. And we go into detail about this model because I genuinely think it's amazing. I mean, it's super profitable, super scalable and um, sustainable as well, which is what it's all about. So if you're launching a recruitment firm, if you're new to um, launching your own business and you want to build a more sustainable business built on retained revenue, listen to this show. So let's get into it. Without further ado, Dan, Kev, welcome to the RAG podcast. Hey, hey, Dan. <laughs> two two at once. I always find when I interview two people that you you're always playing a game of trying to work out who's going to speak. But I'm well, guys. Thanks so much. It's morning in the UK where I am. Um, what time is it in Brisbane right now? I'll say Dan. Dan, what time is it? We're uh, just gone half past seven, mate. Half past seven nice. here. And you... I, I say a glorious summer's evening, but it's raining for once, unfortunately. Is it? Is it? Well, you've uh, you know I do appreciate you taking the time to speak to me at this time of night. Um, I know you've got families and and other things you could be doing. Um, Dan, Kev, so, you know, I've, I've given you a brief introduction. Kevin, I'll ask you, um, we, I can never do it justice. Do us a favor, just give us the overview of your business now, like the people, location, niche markets, that kind of stuff. I don't want the story, we'll go into that. Just the bird's eye view if people don't know who Telesco are. Yeah, so we are a recruitment business specializing in the energy, uh, ESG and sustainability markets um, and uh, currently based out of Brisbane, uh, we've got a team of uh, seven um, currently um, and got a few more pipelines to start in the new year. Right, so you started the business, was it a year ago-ish? Yeah, one, 11 months, uh, 11 months on um, almost to the day. Well, so was it right, what, around January time? Is that right? Yeah, so we, we, we launched actually um, just before Christmas. Um, and uh, <laughs> well, yeah, and the, the reason the reason behind it was because we had a client that wanted to, 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 to send us or wanted us to send them an invoice. So, I mean, what better way to start the business? So we um, we, we, we politely uh, adhered to that and, and uh, sent an invoice and then went on holiday for a for a week or two before before really kind of kicking on in, in January. So. Yeah, it was a pretty good way to, to, to kick off. Um, 
uh, might have put a little bit of extra uh, salt in the wound. It was our, our, our previous boss's birthday on the day, I think. So <laughs> it wasn't, I don't think it was perfect timing. <laughs> isn't isn't January like a big Dan? Isn't January like a big holiday in Australia though? Like, is it is it a random time to start a business where everyone's not working? Yeah, I think it is. Obviously, look, it's Christmas, but maybe school ho- school holidays here as well, right? The the big holiday, and then we've got Australia Day in the twenty sixth. So a lot of people say, oh, look, nothing happens really until until January twenty sixth. But I, I think there's exceptions to that rule. I think that's probably changed the last sort of 12, 24 months. And I think look, when you've got two guys who who just started a business, you're just desperate to get going, right? And and we wanted to rip into it ASAP. So um, we just kind of went for it, mate. It's pretty, like, we can go into a story, but originally we were going to start with a, the business in, in August, and then it was March, and then it was January, and then it was December. So we, we, just, we just got too excited, mate. I think I went for it. Love it. Love it. So let's go back then. So obviously, Dan, you're not from Australia, living in Brisbane. How did you end up out there? Yeah, mate, um, I, mate, long story, I sort of grew up in Edinburgh, actually worked, my first ever job was at Hayes in uh, 2006 wow. after uni, did that for a year and, and swore never to work in recruitment again, um, <laughs> famous last words, and did, uh, was working in sort of procurement and construction and eventually um, property in Edinburgh and um, got to 30 and got really at your feet again, actually moved up to Hong Kong. Right. Um, and when I was in Hong Kong, uh, I met a young lady by the name of Katie, who is now my wife, right. um, and she's from uh, she's from Brisbane. So we actually ended up back here. Um, I did about five or six years in Hong Kong, then ended up in, in Saudi, in, in Riyadh for three years, um, which is pretty interesting. And then, yeah, we bounced back to Brisbane pretty much two years ago to, to the month. So, yeah, that's how we ended up back here. So you're, uh, you're one of them real expats. journey. You're a proper expat, Australia, Middle East, and Asia. Like you've done it. You've done yeah, it. yeah. Just, just to US to go, but yeah, not, not, not too, not too keen on that. But yeah, Growing yeah, I've done it, mate. I've been, I've been lucky. Growing up wearing a kilt in minus twelve conditions, you must love wearing shorts every day now for the rest of your life. He yeah, still wears a kilt, I think. Do you know what it's funny, do me? But like having lived in like Riyadh and it's like fifty degrees and like Hong Kong and, and even Brisbane, it's pretty hot and humid. Mate, I hate the heat. I'm not a big um I'm not a big lover of the heat. Wow. Well you picked some random places to live, mate. And and Kevin, you're you said you're originally from New Zealand before we started. Tell us a bit about how you've ended up in Brisbane. Yeah, uh, so yeah, started off in, in New Zealand and um, uh, I was sort of the first out of my group to, to, to venture away and uh, bought a one-way ticket. My mum's English, so um, I had a one-way ticket over to uh, to the UK, um, landed in London, was planning to be there for uh, for a short stint before going home for the Rugby World Cup in 2011 um, and uh, yeah, got into Got into recruitment, absolutely loved it, and uh, my boss at the time was not not too keen on me taking sort of three months off to go back to, to watch rugby. So I ended up staying, and um, yeah, it was eight, eight years in uh, in London and um, a short stint uh, in um, uh, in Madrid, uh, and then uh, and then back to uh, back to Australia. Um, I say when I when it was time to come home, and my, my folks had. Uh, Sold up and, and moved to Australia. So if I had con, kind of gone past them and, and landed back in New Zealand, I don't think they would have forgiven me. So um, so yeah, here here I am and um, settled in, in Brisbane. And yeah, it's been about eight years now back in Brisbane. So been a while well, out, you, of, uh, out of New Zealand. How similar is Australia? I mean, I lived in Australia, but I never got to New Zealand. How similar are those two countries? Would you say? 
Uh, I'd say that they, they, there's there's a number of similarities. I think the, the the biggest difference for me, at least, was probably the economy, and particularly going back sort of eight eight or so years ago, the economy in in, in Australia was far better than, than than New Zealand, and I think it will always be the the case. Um, I've got a, obviously a, a massive soft point to, to to New Zealand. It's always you know, in my in my mind, it will always be home. But um, yeah, I, I think you know, fast forward now. You know, I've got uh, uh, got a couple of kids, and they're they're you know, in my my opinion, they're now Aussies. So I, I don't think we're going to be uh, venturing back that way from a, from a permanent point of view anytime soon. But um, yeah, it's a special place. It's uh, it's it's one of those you know, countries that you just can't help help but uh, uh, but but be attracted to. It's it's an absolutely stunning and beautiful place. But and um, your kids yeah, are they going to be Aussie or? Hundred percent, yeah, absolutely. They're absolutely, absolutely. Uh, they're they're Aussies. Um, I'm a, a pretty big believer that if um, uh, if you're born in a certain place, you should that should be your team, right? So, um, so my boy, uh, he's almost almost five now, and um, uh, yeah, he gets up and he's a he's a Wallabies fan, and um, I don't think he quite realizes how bad that is, but uh, <laughs> but uh, one day one day he might come right, I guess. But, um, yeah, yeah, I'll keep winding him up about it. So yeah, I'm giving giving him a bit of grief the other week because. He, I was giving him a bit of grief because uh, yeah, I was giving him a bit of grief the other the other um, week because his team was watching our team in the in the grand final. Not that we ended up winning it, but um, yeah, uh, nonetheless, uh, his team was back home watching watching my team on the TV. So <laughs> it's a big rivalry, though. It's proper rivalry that, like, to, especially in the big games, like in the in the world, they always seem to play each other in in, in those big tournaments. I've I've moved over from like, one hour from Manchester to Sheffield, and my. Uh, my wife's family are all big Sheffield United football fans and I'm a Man City fan. And then the baby now has got, she's got both baby grows. She's got a Man City and a Sheffield United one. And I'm like, the Blaze. She's, from, she's from Sheffield and she might hate football. So who knows, but I kind of still want to give her a Manchester roots, right? It's my side of, that's, that's where I'm from. So I'm not going to go just because you're born here. You, if you want to be a Man City fan, be a Man City fan. That's up to you. Mate, Manchester's yeah. weekly, Manchester's weekly live in Sheffield, so yeah, it is. 100%, it is. 100%, it is. mate. It is. What would be worse though, Man, Man United or, or Sheffield? Where's, where's the line? Oh, no, no, she, she can support anyone but Man United. Yeah, I don't care what. <laughs> Liverpool, would be a close, Liverpool would be a close second of terrible decision, but they do not be a Man United fan anymore. It's not happening. Um, so guys, how did you how did you two meet? Like, Where's the story around you guys? Because like you say, you've, you've only been in Brisbane for two years, Dan. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a pretty funny story, mate. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna tell this one because Kate, Kate probably won't may may, um, may may skip a few bits. But mate, when I came back to when I was thinking about moving back to Brisbane, we were back here for six weeks and um, was working with a couple of retorics and someone said, "Oh, look, do you want to speak to Kev? He's the general manager of, of this company called Titan in, in, in Brisbane East Coast." And I was like, "Look." happy to do so and had a really sort of good interview with Kev and it all went pretty well and then met, met the met the owner of the company I think and had a brief call for him and Kev's like yeah mate we love you we're going to offer you like we're really excited um so well, that's, that's pretty good Kev seems like a real good book <laughs> about four days later I turned around and was like oh actually uh we're not we're not gonna make you an offer at the moment like we, we sort we sort of can't do it so I was just like all right cheers mate oh, um nice yeah, how good, eh? Just just sold me down the river. Um, but as as it turns out, sort of about about twelve months later, another opportunity sort of popped up, and Kev um, Kev reached out to me again, and and, and this time was a uh, was um was pretty persuasive, and and a reason. Tell, tell them the truth, man. I mean, 
tell the truth, I met you for a beer that time and, and I was able to close it over a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I think with a couple of, I think I got a couple of free pints how you at least on, on a few occasions. Where did you go? What did you did you find a firm in, in Brisbane to just join then, Dan? So I ended up working it. for um, uh, an amazing lady down in Sydney called Sarah McCandless. She actually owns um, a company called Enterprise IT Resources, yeah. um, kind of helping her with some, some, some growth and strategy. But she was Sydney-based. I was in Brisbane. I was traveling down sort of um, like once a month and pretty difficult to to make significant change and impact when you're only somewhere I found once a month. So that, that kind of wasn't working out. So, yeah, looked look back in Brisbane and, and worked out well and, and, and Kev kind of opened the door at Titan and then um, – Funnily enough, I sort of was was in there for five or six months, and I've been thinking about doing my own thing for a number of years, and probably just hadn't had the, the balls to pull the trigger, and sort of sat Kev down and said, "Oh, listen, mate, I, I'll, I'll be up front. I'll probably scooby to the end of the financial year, and then I think I'm, I need to go and, and sort of do my own thing." And at that point, Kev said, "Oh, well, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> interesting, you, you say that. Don't do anything just yet." And um, turns out that he was having sort of similar similar thoughts and, and, and we had a number of chats around it and we got the families together and we just sort of test test tested a few things and then um that's how we met mate and, and how we jumped in and did it pretty much so you hadn't actually worked together very long really six months no 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 yeah yeah six months probably yeah so what i think it was six months today i think i just I, I just passed your probation uh before mate it was six months and kev was hardly there so it's probably about three months <laughs> What do you have to do to like stress test? You said stress test, but what, what due diligence do you have to do on each other to go into? Because going into business with someone is a big decision. Like, you know, it's, Mate, it's, it's a big, huge massively, decision. massively. It's really funny, right? Because I think Kevin and I in business are, are probably, I, th- I think in life, I'm potentially a bit more impulsive. I'm a bit more impulsive in terms of I'll back myself and follow things. And that's been my attitude and it's kind of taking me all around the world. But now, actually, it's, if you look at a business, Kev's probably much more of like, let's go, 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 do this, do this, do this. And I'm sort of more like, whoa, let's just look at the scenarios here or let's look at the budget. So that works really well. But in, in terms of stressing that relationship, I think we just had a couple of really honest conversations, didn't we, Kev? Like we were like, what's your idea? How do you, how do you see a business? How do I see a business? Do you want to scale? Do you want lifestyle? You know, we had we had those conversations over a number of weeks and, and make sure that was alignment. And then I guess I guess the last piece was, you know, we've both got um, – both got wives and, and young kids. We thought we wanted to get everyone together just to make sure everyone kind of got along, right? Because yeah, we, yeah. We, we've had an, an unreal 12 months, but at some point, you know, things will get difficult and we'll probably face some pretty significant challenges as, as a business or even personally, right? So we wanted to make sure that, but yeah, everyone clicked and everyone got along, not just not just on the business point of view. Yeah, I think I think I'm like further than that. I think the um, the reality, like it is, it is very challenging in business, and you've got to make sure you've got the right person with you. Um, and and I think that the one one thing that I I think I value probably the most um, in in our relationship as as owners, I think we both can move past things very quickly. So like we we'll, we'll both be quite strongly opinionated on a certain topic, but being able to have a, a a discussion, disagree on those points, but then come back to each other and you know realize, I think we both analyze ourselves and go, okay, well maybe actually this is probably not the right thing for me or, or maybe we should do it this way and we kind of reached a point quite quickly and I think we noticed that um early on in the time we met each other so it, it sort of you know I think the biggest thing with with in my opinion in in these sorts of relationships is being able to have those discussions disagree on points because you always going to disagree on points but actually be able to come back to it and, and be constructive um and I think that we've done that um multiples of times um over over the the, the the last couple of years and i think um that's probably what was the 
the, the driver yeah. for me. It was, it and when was you said combination. you had, you said you had this chat about you know, do we want lifestyle? Do we want scale? Which I think is like the classic, you know, classic decision you've got to make, and and that can change as well. But what did you come up with? What, what scale. Right. So you both said we want to build a business here. We're not. It's not about just, you know, any a nice lifestyle with uh, a family. It's about building something. I think the, the I think the attraction of having a lifestyle business is is always somewhat appealing because you can you can earn some really good money. You can you can kind of have a have the best of both worlds. And I, I think there's an element of probably both of us that we're thinking, well, maybe the time in our life is pretty good to do that. But then I think we both kind of quickly realized that we're just not those people, right? Like we're not the type of people that like to sit still and, you know, just have it comfortable. Um, comfortable is uncomfortable um, for, for us. And I think that that's probably, that was probably one of the things we realized quite quickly on. And and um, and that, that sort of just, you know, escalated what we wanted to do. And then the world started to move from, from there. And it's interesting in it because I, a lifestyle business kind of has this negative connotation, I think, with a lot of people in our sector. Like, it's like a, and it's not a good thing to do. Whereas I think it depends on what, how you define it. Like, how I look at it yeah. is like, it's about choosing about, it's probably choosing profit now over profit later, like money later, isn't it? It's like, because you can, you can still build a, it's about just being lean and profitable, I think, a lifestyle business rather than being like, hev- he- like, yeah. For, for foregoing profit for investment for later. Like that's the bit that not everyone wants to do and isn't comfortable. But I, th- I think when you talk about like that foregoing profit with a lifestyle business, like I think Kev's like me, mate. I, I, love, I literally love doing deals and that will never change. Like I'm trying to get away from it a little bit and, and focus more on the business and process of it, mate. I, I like, I'll be on the phone at 11 o'clock at night, half 10 at night, yeah. somewhere in the world, trying, trying to close a deal. I'm like to annoy some of my family probably, but I just like, mate, let's... I can't just tell you how much I just love. I love doing deals. So, like, I feel if you're a lifestyle business, you're more comfortable closing a laptop at six o'clock and saying everything can wait until tomorrow or if it's going to be done. I, I just don't. For me, I don't have that mentality. If like if something's happening, I'm, I'm, I'm after it or I'm involved in it or I want to be involved in it. Fair. So, you you have this chat. You when was this when you started having these like exploratory meetings and working obviously out o- obviously after we'd resigned and, and left our current this sort of time I, I guess october november last year september october last guess? Year. yeah i'd say probably yeah, october october november um and uh yeah, I think we could be pretty open i think the the the, the you know the conversation was was one that I don't think either of us realized we were, I, I think individually we were going to have these, we were having these thoughts or, or, or decisions between, you know, uh, ex- externally, but, but, you know, it wasn't probably something that we ever thought was going to be a, a joint conversation until it, it, until it was. And then it sort of changed the scope of what we were looking at pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, to Dan's point earlier, like the, the timeframes of when we were thinking of launching kind of pulled forward, pulled forward, pulled forward. And I think at the end it, it got to a point where we felt like, we were not going to be doing the right thing by our current employer if we were just to drag it out for, for a few months. And so we just figured, you know, now there's no perfect time to do it. I mean, Dan was, Dan was a couple of months away from having his second kid, right? So, um, uh, you know, there's, there's never the perfect time to, to, to do it. And I think we just spoke about like being um, respectful to our employer that we were with. Um, yep. It was the right thing to do by, 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 you know, Cutting, cutting it off and, and, and getting into it um, sooner rather than later. And I think you said um, originally yeah, no regrets there. Planning to launch in, was it August of this year? Then? Yeah, yes. Yeah. No, we, yeah, we'd, have been, 
So it would have been, we, we were working this time 2022 and we said, oh, we'll, we'll get to the end of financial year. So that would have been June, July, yeah. 20, June, July 2023. And then we're like, oh, we'll just get to the end of the next quarter and pick up some commission and do it then. And then, um, yeah, Kev was really keen to, to get motoring. And then well, I was just like, we, we had a couple of conversations with some, some sort of potential people who wanted to, 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 to back us in and give us some work. And I was like, oh, let's just, let's just, Let's just pull a plaster off. So you, so you kept moving the goalposts earlier and earlier, and then yeah. you're like, fuck it, let's just go. Yeah. And then for my wife, yeah, I was like, remember that, remember that nine month plan? We're doing it, we're doing it tomorrow instead. I think it's been like you, you, you often kind of, you know, you, you, when, you're, when you're in that position of, of, of making that move to start the other thing, you, you kind of think, okay, well, where's the, where's the money coming from that'll take us through to carry us through to get us going and that sort of thing. And, and so that's where our kind of thinking literally was coming from initially and I think we were all tying it to these kind of commission milestones and so on and so forth and I think the the reality was you know and and I think in in hindsight looking back um you you make that money up in the in the in that period anyway so you know the the short-term pain for the for the for the longer term gain if we had waited to August to start the business, we just would have been further behind to where we are today. And so by doing it and just, if we were there, we were committed, we were in, um, for, for two reasons, being respectful to, to our you know, current employer at that time was the right thing to do. But secondly, being able to just kind of back yourself in and make it happen, um, it was, it, it, you know, whenever you pull the trigger, you, you just gotta go for it. No, I get it, I get uh, it. So, and I, go on, Dan. I was just gonna add, I was just gonna, add, I, was just gonna I think, our, our models allowed us to do that too because we don't i mean we, we can go into later on right but we only work in retained assignments we don't do um anything contingent really um and so by, by as soon as you win work when you when you're working that model right you're you're, you're away you're earning money your fees yeah. are coming in it allows you to go and go and go so the the model we built and, and the and the process and the methodology we built allowed us probably allowed us to get going far quicker like yes we had that that sort of initial panic of why we need to get some fees in the board, we need to get rolling, but we never had that position. You hear so many people in our, I'm a month in, two months in, I've just got to do a deal, I've just got to do a deal. And you're trying to you're trying to place anything and just to get a fee in the board. And we kind of didn't have that stress in a way, which is which was pretty nice. We just had to get a client on board. Yeah, the one we committed and, and we were off and running. So we, we were pretty lucky in that regard as well. Well, you create your own look. You you, you went with that model and it and it worked, right? So where did the name come from? Great question. Great question. Um, so, uh, so interestingly, I think um, when I uh, was going to be going out on my, my myself, um, the name I had already sort of put in the back of my, my mind was Leska, um, which is just basically a combination of, of my two kids' names. So Leo uh, being the Ali and uh, my girls Francesca, so the, the SCA um, at the end. So Leska was going to be the, the name. And um, and then when Dan sort of came into the into the equation, um, he had a, a girl, Taylor. So we, we added uh, the TA into the into the front and, and Taliska was formed. Um, Dan, Dan will definitely be having a... Yeah, well, that, a lot of people think that it, it really does sort of sit quite well with with obviously the the, the industry we work in and in the recruitment sense. Um, but it, it, you know, obviously a couple of months I mentioned earlier, um, Dan Dan had his second uh, a boy uh, a couple of months after we launched. So um, uh, poor old Rolly didn't get uh, didn't get mentioned in the name. So that's going to be a really interesting discussion for him in about ten years' time um, when he has to explain why. Why he, he, just gets, the, the... he just gets extra shares, doesn't he? That's it. Just give it. He'll get something. <laughs> we'll, we'll do. We'll, we'll do. We'll do. He'll. He'll. He'll get something. We'll put him in somewhere. Yeah. We'll worry about that when I it think, comes. I love. That I think that the. the... 
Sorry, I was going to say, I think, I think the, the, the name and, and probably the really important part of, of our business is really we, we try to think, you know, we try and loop everything back to the name of our business, right? So uh, the markets that we work in uh, being renewables, ESG, sustainability, or all these forward-facing um, uh, or forward future-facing kind of um, uh, industries. And, you know, once again, you know, for us, it's all about the purpose of the business and the purpose of the business starts with the name um, and and so when we're starting to make decisions or we're, we're thinking about what we want to do um, we're going on that journey internally as an organization around sustainability and and you know should we be traveling should we not be traveling how do we get to uh, you know how do we get to work what are we looking at from a from a, a cost point of view and when you start going into this and start to explore these um, areas more and more you really start to understand what what um you know what it is all about and you start to live and breathe those those values and i think that was one thing that we both aligned to quite early on was really how do we want to operate as a business. Um, and so the name is really important to us for, for many reasons. Um, obviously, it's our, our kids, so it's a, there's a personal attachment there. But it, it also means so much more as far as like the purpose of what we're about, how we're approaching things, what we want to be known for, how we want to act with our clients, how we want to be you know seen as far as the supplier is concerned, um, wanting to be acting ethical. It's, it's all these things that tie back to you know, kids, right? And, and, and what means what's really important to us and, 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 and yeah, to others as well. And setting an example for them to follow, right? Um, in terms of, to, to paint the picture then, let's go back to day one. What was it? Where did you base yourselves? How are you operating it? Let's, let's tell the story from there. So I was, um, I was uh, about probably, uh, must have been about August time uh, last year, I took the move to, uh, I've got a small Queenslander um, and so not much space in the house. So so we uh, invested in a shipping container. Um, uh, so we bought a, a 20 foot shipping container, got dumped on the backyard um, uh, around September. Uh, I convinced my old man to come and, uh, and help me, um, but he was certainly the, the leader behind it. And um, we completely renovated this whole shipping container and turned it into a, an out, a sort of outdoor um, office. So. Um, fully wired it up and got got aircon in it and you know put big rug sliders in and windows and fitted it all out in in the in the knowledge that this was going to be the office um, for yeah. for me moving forward and then obviously um, you know the the kind of dad coming into the picture all this sort of things started to happen but that was my my base so I, I, I positioned myself there uh, it didn't turn out great and you can see um, you know I don't, I don't think anyone else can see but you can see I'm not in the container anymore pissed the neighbors off. Yeah, so turns out you have to have um, planning permission to have a shipping container in your backyard, which I didn't realise. Um, I thought it was a mobile, you know, sort of uh, uh, structure, so I thought um, I'd be fine, but turns out I wasn't. Um, I've only got one neighbour, by the way, so I guess as who it was. Um, and uh, and yeah, the uh, the authorities came over, uh, you know, good good old uh, Ipswich City Council, and uh, came knocking and. Um, yeah, so I had to get rid of that one. Um, I did manage to drag it out for probably about nine months longer than I should have, but um, but that's now now gone. So, um, but it kind of worked out well because uh, you know during that time uh, we ended up getting an office into into Brisbane, um, and so you know the, the the you know I guess the business uh, accelerated to a point that we you know we're, and we're now quite well set up in Brisbane with a, a good size office. So you know I think um, it probably did its purpose. Um, I'd still love to have it, but uh, <laughs> but here we are. So from day one, did you did you well, you weren't together then? You did it remotely from the. On we the, on we the tried 
so yeah, we we remotely, but then we um we actually joined mate, with with a, with a club in Brisbane called Tarsal, which is a bit like you know like the Caledonian Club, whatever in London, one of these like private members clubs. And yeah. that mate, it was cheap. It was only like a thousand pounds to join, right? But within that. There's like business centers and we got you get free office space and, and free rooms. So we actually utilized that a lot probably for two for two or three months. Um getting mm-hmm. Kev coming into town probably um three days, three days to four days a week. I, I hate working food- I, I hate I hate working at home. So I was at the house as as, as much as I can. So we, we sort of used that and then then we sort of graduated to a serviced office. And we had our own sort of four or five man serviced office just, just in the centre of Brisbane there too, which which was great. Um, I, I've got a pretty, pretty reasonably loud voice, and, and, and Kevin's can hear has got a, a real uh, a real humdinger of voice, mate. So having two people on the on, on the phones and, and 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 quickly three people in a small space just wasn't just wasn't going to work. So. Um, uh, three months ago, actually, we moved into our own our own office space in uh, in, in central Brisbane, mate. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Dan missed a little bit of a, a, a part there, though. We um, the first uh, month before we 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 went and got the Tattersalls membership, um, we actually used uh, Sofitel uh, Hotel oh, uh, lobby uh, for the first for the first uh, for the first few few months. Uh, our, our sort of weekly get together in the in the hotel lobby. Um, thank you, Sofitel uh, Brisbane. Uh, much appreciated. Did you get? Well, we did that. We used to go. There's one called Citizen M at um, Tower Bridge in London, and we used to fucking rinse it. I mean, like. We paid a hundred pound each for a license at the uh, Regis business lounge thing, which was like a real sterile airport lounge in on the other side of the water. And then we realized that once we started hiring people and we had a lot of like freelancers working with us, like creatives and stuff, we, we were better off going to the Citizen M and we went there every day and we'd spend all day there. Maybe have like one coffee and then, I think after yeah, coffees are month, expensive. Hotel coffees aren't cheap. Yeah, yeah. And then after about a month, they started putting these signs on the on the on the table saying like, "If you're going to sit here, you need to you need to keep buying drinks." <laughs> and it was definitely because of us. Um, no, no free refills. It was a cool environment. I mean, it worked. You just get on with it in in the early days. You get excited by it. And so you talked about having this retained model from day one. So talk about. Tell me what that is. How does that work? Yeah, I think I, 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 I think I'll, I'll go. I'll jump in this one, Kevin. I think um, I think one one of the other reasons we started the business too was firstly, as Kev mentioned, very much purpose driven, focused on 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 the faces yeah. on the, on the challenges facing the planet. But you know, I I sort of love the recruitment industry, and I'm a big believer in many ways. It's, it's pretty broken. Um, I think there's a real lack of of consultants who can actually consult in the industry. And I think you've got a whole sort of raft of of younger recruiters and mid, mid-level recruiters who are who are pretty transactional and, and, and have no fault on their own. They've probably not been not been that well trained and, and that's trickled down. And then particularly during the COVID years, right? People have just been chucked in the deep end and it's not kind of work. So first of all, we're like, well, listen, we want to be consultative, right? Kevin and I are both very consultative by nature. So we said we're gonna come in, we're not gonna be transactional, we're gonna build partnerships to clients, we're gonna actually consult and we're actually gonna really add value to add value to um to the to the clients who work with right so there's a couple of things around that the first thing we did said well what's the offering going to be well number one we're not going to work any contingent rules right so we said no point for me you don't you need commitment from the client it allows us to deliver a better service um and it creates it creates a far deeper relationship with your client over over a period of time so then it was like if we're going to go down this retain model how can we be different because Retainers are great, but I still think there's for a lot of people, a lot of clients, well, they've been easily burnt by a retainer, right? Oh, I say I got sold a retainer by someone six months ago. We just took the fee. 
I never really heard from anything. We didn't get anything else. So I was like, we don't want that. So we actually um, started, I've, I've been following the Audrell guys for quite a while, obviously Ryan, Ryan McCabe and, and, and Audrell and, and what we do. And I said, Kev, let's, let's get into Audrell. People aren't using it in Australia. They've only got a handful of um, of clients. And for me, it's a, it's a real game changer. So we, we got Audrell um, very early um, and we really built Audrell into our process. So that allows us to actually go and set, sell this retainer and we call it an engaged model and say to client, look, we're not just here to take a retainer and go and put our feet up and chill out. You're going to engage us on a position. This is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to take video recordings of you, your company, your hiring managers. We're going to build these little microsites and present your jobs to the market in a really engaging, dynamic way. It's going to go and get all this passive talent really excited. We're going to bring them back to you. So we, we, we obviously went down the, the, the engaged model. We actually built a product around that so we, we could sell a product. Yeah. Um, and then f- f- from there, we've gone from there really quickly. And the other thing we're kind of pretty adamant about at the minute is we're not, we're growing, but we're not hiring junior recruiters. So we look at people who have got seven plus years experience to come in at the associate director level. Because I think the other big challenge you get as you scale and you grow is Kevin and I are out dealing with clients and, and, and we have a level of service. And clients get to that point, well, I've been working with you for two years and now you want to fob me off to to the yeah, junior yeah. team or, or, or the rookie and they get upset. So we're bringing in really experienced consultants. You can keep that level of consistent, that level of service consistent. That is the hardest way of scaling though, isn't it? Because to find those people at the volume you need them is, is going to be tricky. It is, it is. And we've also, we've also adopted the, we've also got the, the, the offshore, the off, um, the off, uh, we shouldn't really call it offshore, mate, because we don't offshore. We, we've got people in the Philippines who are very much part yeah. of our business. Um, and I think for us to, that was also an important feature in us being able to deliver to our clients, but being able, be able to attract those people. So these guys have got seven plus years experience from the Philippines. Uh, for people in the Philippines, they've got sort of 15, 20 years of recruitment experience. They're really seasoned recruiters. So it allows us to go to consultants in Australia who are at that six, seven year level and say, listen, rather than, you know, you're billing, I don't know, 300, 400, 500,000 at the moment. If you come and work with us, we'll pair you up with your own candidate manager over in the Philippines. He's going to be able to support you, do a lot of your candidate mapping, your outreach, you know, be a real running mate with you which is then going to allow you to take your sort of billings to the next level because we're giving you more time to consult, to be with your clients, to be with your candidates and, and add value where to you sell, can. And to go and sell retainers rather than and to go and sell retainers. on them all day yourself. I'm interrupting today's episode to give you a message from our brand new sponsor. Now, this company are called Untapped and everyone knows that Hoxo through this podcast I've, I've explained that we we've built our team internationally heavily in south africa okay and i get questions all the time from clients and people who listen to the show like how have you done it what was the process etc well i've partnered with a business that can ultimately reveal it all share it all and, and help you do the same right because look it's been a tricky year for the sector and many of people through uncertain times have had to streamline operations. However, you know, accessing low-cost resources internationally has proven to be a bit of a cheat code for some people, including Hoxo. But anyone who's tried it, like us, it's very difficult. A lot of work, process to get it right. So this company, Untapped, are one of the hottest companies in the market. They've helped Hoxo, they're helping our clients. Um, and they specifically look at companies in the UK, US, Middle East and Australia transition to using remote individuals and building full offshore sourcing and recruitment solutions. So they source talent pools from places like South Africa and the Philippines. Um, 
And we're talking about experienced talent here. We're not talking about graduates with no experience. This is like people with three to five years recruitment experience and integrate them into your UK team, okay? So they work remotely, but plug into your UK team. Um, they put around 3,000 candidates per month through an intense four-stage interview and online testing process to find the top 1% or 30 people and secure these people for work with recruitment agencies like yourself. You know, all candidates are benchmarked against UK competency frameworks and the, the way in which you would hire in the UK. So we're not, again, we're not talking about cheap for the sake of being cheap. We're talking about international, experienced people just living in lower cost locations. So it's a really simple process if you want to work with these guys. You pay a deposit to kick off their search. They then provide a candidate shortlist in 14 days. And then you can put people through your own process to hire them permanently. Or there's a freelance option. So if you just want to try before you buy, they can employ them. You pay a daily rate and it's a freelance option. Untapped are totally transparent with all the salaries and fees. Um, but, you know, we're talking about you'll still pay about 70% less than a UK equivalent in that role so it's a no-brainer to complement your existing team to handle surplus demand and ease cost pressures you know if you're not using this to rip up your business and rebuild it with global resources then you're probably going to fall behind eventually so due to demand and capacity they're only operating on a waiting list right now so if you want to be part of their waiting list go to www.tryuntapped.com okay www.tryuntapped.com and check out their information. Make sure you say that you listen to the RAG podcast um, because they'll do you a very special deal as well. Right, go and check them out. Back to the show. So is, yeah. is that the model then? If I if I joined Teleska, you, you're selling yeah. it to me, by the way. I'm quite excited. Yeah, that's the model. Fuck Oxo, I'm joining you. But you, you've literally, I would come in, I would have my own candidate manager in the Philippines and then I would basically go out and sell a retained product that is the same every time really and then as soon as someone signs they work would i still manage that alongside the, or the candidate manager to yeah go and I, I, I think i think even even probably the best thing we're doing too is when you come in now we've already got retained rules for you, for you to work on straight away so we'd actually take that we, we, day one you've got a live job to, to to work on there um and yes you know we we, we have a do we do have a we, we've got a mapped out process of a rule comes in this is how it's handled the candidate manager in the Philippines does, you know, ABC. The consultant does DEF. Um, candidate manager's G, and then back to the consultant sort of XYZ at the end. Kev, do you want to add to that? Yeah, look, I think the the rationale behind it, and I think one one of the things I when we first started the business, we didn't actually have an idea of doing that model, um, and then we were really lucky, and um, and you know, shout out to to some of the guys at, at TrueCool in particular, um, uh, Scott and, and Graham, they've. They've been fantastic, um, and they're a Brisbane-based uh, Brisbane uh, recruitment firm have, have done exceptionally well. But they they reached out to, to both Dan and I. We knew them um, individually, and, and they reached out to us and um, and congratulated us day one of, of, of launching and um, bought us a breakfast. I think a couple of weeks into it, and and they've been um, they've been by our side since since the start to, to help and advise. And I think one of the things that um, you know for us in particular was was you know talking about the different structures, different ways of operating and models and. Um, and um, a few people kind of mentioned the, the the idea of having that kind of candidate manager model of of having a team and, and, a, and a resource to to support recruiters. And interestingly, the the numbers were stacking up because they were saying, well, you know, you you take a, a good recruiter, you know, with with that sort of level of experience in the Australian market, a, a decent recruiter is going to be doing you know 
550, 600K a, a year would be, you know, considered a, a, a decent recruiter. And you'll be taking that person, giving, that, giving them that resource, and you'll take them from billing a, a 550, 600K a year biller to suddenly doing 800, 900K because they've got extra bandwidth to be able to just get on and do the job. And so for us, when we started hearing this and we started talking to a few different people to, to understand that model, it just became a no-brainer. If we could take a, a, a 600K a year biller and make them a eight or 900K biller, a year biller, the, 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 the money's there, the, the profit's there. And so for, for us, it was a smart move. And I think we we look forward into, into the future and it, it absolutely is gonna be a part of what we do moving forward because there is so much administrative work that, that they undertake for you that give you back hours and hours and hours a day, which means suddenly instead of working on, you know, two or three roles, you're suddenly working on six or seven roles. And so the the, the, the opportunity for, for growth is massive. And on a candid perspective, this is comes back to that attraction point, we're able to track people because we are able to take them on that journey, to take them from, you know, the last three years they've been constantly hitting 600K a year and they've been getting rewarded really well for that. We can suddenly go to them and give them an extra level. And the way that our structure is set up is that we, we're we not actually taking anything from those consultants. The consultants are getting full full commission on the full amount that they're, they're bringing in. The candidate manager, we're actually absorbing as a business and we're using that as a cost because we can see that the growth in that is going to pay off and so for us we're getting really great candidates we'll get, uh, yeah it's absolutely really good we, we'll get we'll get really good we'll get really good yeah well we'll get really good recruiters that won't go anywhere because why would they want to leave right they've got they've like, suddenly now billing you know 40 percent more so it's like the, it's, you you you're bringing the exec search model almost to the to the to the recruitment level right with a researcher and and all the rest of it and i look i absolutely love it and I, look i sell my I mean, you guys are, are Dan. You've worked on my Hoxo Academy, and you guys are joining our Hoxo Academy in the new year, which is really exciting. But you, you're running it very similar to how we run ours, right? So we have like it's a product, it's a complete product. We have a marketing engine, we have a sales engine, we have a delivery engine, and it and it's always the same. And it's you know, it's fees. There's a set fee, and there's some variable fees and things like that. And it, I love it. I, I think I think the classic 360 recruiter doing everything on their own, it's fucking hard. And there's not that many of them out there that are that good. And finding them is uh, and keeping them. And, uh, you know, it, it, the, the, the problems that, that revolve around that model, what you're, what you're saying is, is, is game-changing. Now, how do you price up the retainers? Because there's the third, a third, a third model. There's the 50-50. There's the 10% model. I mean, how are you guys doing it? Now we're um well we're actually really straightforward. So we actually worked on a on, on a fixed fee basis. So basically you've got zero to ninety nine and then we go up in fifty fifty grand increments. Um right. and we we sort of lock our fee in at the front end of that increment around the sort of fifteen, sixteen percent mark. Um and again that, that's twofold. One, it makes it really clear for for our clients when they're spending what's gonna cost them. Um I'm a sort of we're both big believers in the fact that if, if we get given a rule and said 150 grand job and we get lucky and place someone at 170, should we really charge someone a bigger fee for doing exactly the same process and the exact same amount of work? You know, I'm, I'm How does it work then? So if someone's a $100,000 salary? Yeah, we just charge what? them a third up front. So we get paid of a third what, in the of the uh, So if the, the fee for 100 grand, for example, would be, let's call $12,000 for 100 grand right. um, placement, we would charge $4,000 up front. Um, pay that when we kick off, and we don't take anything else until candidates start paying. Most of our most of our roles are, are, are much more at the senior level. So we, I would say, um, t- 
typically speaking, we work in the bands of like 150 to 200, 200 to 250, 250 to, to 300 and 300 above. And, and most of the work that we've done in the, in the last 11 months, I would say is probably in that sort of 250 to 300 band is where a lot of our assignments are. And both that and I, once again, you, you talk about like executive search style, right? I, I think that executive search, there's a lot of fluff that goes around that. And some businesses will want that and some businesses will see value in that. I think that typically speaking, the value is in the recruiter and the industry knowledge that that person brings to the to the table. So if you have a model that, that can give them confidence in what their ability is and, and confidence in what you deliver um yeah, like i say all the work that we're doing is in that in that higher end banding so most of our fee structure so like once again just to go uh, really clear on it um 150 to 200k is 22 and a half uh 200 to 250 is is 30 250 to, to, to 307 and a half so you can see we're locking in the fees at 15 grand uh 15 sorry at the lowest end of that banding yeah and then there's value in the band right um and uh, the, the client's picking up on it really well. Um, one of the great things that I would say is that once you start going down this model, and I would say having worked in the UK for, for several years and then, and then coming to Australia, when I came to Australia, my background's always been that renewable energy sector. So when I came to Australia, there wasn't really anyone doing it at that stage. Um, there was a couple of companies or a couple of people. So um, the, the opportunity in that market was, in my opinion, was going, well, if the clients out there want to want to get the value of knowledge that I have, then I would want them to be committed to me and and pay for that knowledge, right? And I think that that yeah. that sort of that that started early on for me. So it, my entire time in in the Australian market has always operated in that model, give or take, you know, that sort of structure of of an engagement fee upfront, rest on placement. So we only do it in two stages, um, and that's always been the case. So the Australian market, you know, I remember back in the, in the UK, you try and sell a retainer, and it was like this is going back, you know, early, you know, 2010, 2012, 2014. It was, it was hard work, right? And, and, and if anyone ever landed it, it was like the biggest celebration in the office. And I thought, you know, that, that scenario was just something that I did, didn't expect was going to happen here. And then very quickly, the, the companies over here valued it. And one thing I would say in the, in the Australian market, and I'm not sure I haven't been working in the, in the UK market of, of late, but I think in the Australian market, recruitment is seen in a real different light. Like there's absolute value that recruiters bring to organizations. And when you partner with companies and add that value, they just keep coming back. You know, some of the the, the clients that we have um, have been, you know, people that I've known for seven, eight years now and done work for time and time again. And the value that I get, I've, I've been called into, you know, board meetings to sit down with ASX listed companies to give that sort of information. Now, that would never happen in the UK, right? Like as a, as a recruiter in the UK, unless you're an executive surgeon and, you know, arguably even then it wouldn't it really happen. So that I think people in Australia naturally value the 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 work of a recruiter typically that i must say that has been changing in recent months particularly in the market that we work so we we're working in that renewable space right i would say that that has changed in recent months because or recent years because i think there's been a lot of uh that that market is or this market has just started to explode so there's been like anything the gold rush happens and everyone kind of jumps in on it so there the quality of work from a recruitment perspective has absolutely dived and i think that the, you know we're starting to see more and more you know um, transactional recruiters coming into the market and and typically trying to throw you know throw it at the wall and hope something sticks sort of mentality and that's starting to get you know to a point where we're kind of getting more and more frustrated with it um the good ones are sort of, sort of sort of staying there and shining and i think that naturally over the next few months you'll see the balance come back into this market as as all these little recruiters start to realize that it doesn't work, right? So I think there'll be there'll be some balance out there. 
Yeah, I think from a, I think if you're operating with with integrity and and a process, I mean, it, it can't it, it can only benefit you if there's more idiots doing that because you you stand out. Even it, it, makes you, it makes people go fuck. I really enjoy working with these two. Um, so. Yeah. Right, you've built a productized business from day one. You've integrated with video video technology. You know, you're selling retainers with a very clear pricing structure, which generates thirty percent of the fee up front. You know, 70 percent of it on 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 completion, which drives revenue into the business at the front end as well as at the back end. Which means you can you've got cash flow to hire to grow. I mean, it all makes sense. What? You've got now. Is it six people? Am I right? That's in the business. Is it six? And you're going to be nine yeah, soon. So, 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 come, come, May for Jan will be seven on the ground in Brisbane and, and four, four in the Philippines office. So eleven. Right, so be eleven. Right. Cool. And talk me through that hiring strategy. I mean, you've mentioned it. I kind of get it. You've got, you got, you got your experience. But how have you actually gone out and done it? I think we've got super lucky a few times, to be honest. Um, we've uh, we've we've landed a couple of really good people. One that we 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 worked with previously, who who um, was really you know really great to get get her on board. She's she's absolutely amazing. Um, and I think we've had a bit of luck. Like we you know we reached out to to Brittany at the right time, had a good chat. I think it was really just you know she she gravitated towards us as people, and 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 likewise, and and sort of saw what we were doing was different and how we were approaching the market. And I think. That's been that's that's allowed us to get some really good uh, good consultants in early um, and uh, and and you know we haven't yet paid a recruitment fee to, to, surprisingly uh, we have got a fantastic rec to rec um, that we 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 do and have always used um, so uh, quick shout out to Jess she's she's a legend um, but um, yes, we haven't yet Jess Kennett Jess Kennett another northerner Jess Jess what sorry Jess Kennett Kenny, I'll just, just give her a shout out. Yeah, so if people yeah, don't know her, she's Brisbane based? Yeah, Brisbane based. Your, your career. She's um, she's oh, good. I don't know her. Jess Kenny, let's get her on the show. Yeah. Get her on the show, mate. And like, over now, you'd, you'd have a great, you'd have a great, um, sounds a great like a legend. I, 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 I think, to, yeah, I think to add to Kez's point as well, we've, we've also been pretty strong. There was, um, you know, there was times when we wanted to make that first time. We had a couple of candidates and, uh, and I've probably had to say to Kev, do we really think we can work with this person and, and do we really want to hire him? And to, to his credit, he sort of said, actually, yeah, yeah I, I kind of think you're right. So I think there were times when we could have pulled the trigger and, and brought people in, but it's, it's having the strength um, to, to know that someone's not right, you can't change him. And yeah. yes, it hurts not to hire him, but it's, it's the right thing to do, you know, further down the line. What do the you business. expect from someone coming in then? So what's like the minute, if someone's coming in, you, I know you said seven years experience, is that local Australian and energy or you, you, renewables or is that any recruitment we're big believers in that we can we can yeah we're big believers in that we can give them the knowledge right i think the knowledge of of um of an industry that we work in is is i'm not gonna say easy to pass over but but we can we can give someone that knowledge we just want people that are really strong recruiters right that have a really good reputation in the market um that are able to really kind of just get in get the job done and understand what they're doing from a recruitment perspective we can give them the knowledge of of energy or or, or ESG or sustainability relatively quickly, um, and uh, you know the, we've got a we've got a great little podcast. We'll chuck that one out there. Uh, the engaging ESG and sustainability podcast. It was only a matter of time till we chop that one in there. Um, but that's you know we we were able to kind of really give a lot of knowledge sharing to to um, to the to the team that come in, and and so that part's pretty you know we're, we're pretty happy with. 
Um, I think it's just more about getting really solid people that, that suit to us. And, and yeah, to, to Dan's point earlier, not going to lie, there was a couple of people that we absolutely wanted um, as well. And, and we went through multiple discussions with, and look, we didn't end up landing them, but you know, the door's always going to be open for us. And I think, you know, there's a risk element of someone joining, you know, Dan and I, when we've got this vision and this dream and this plan um, and employee number one is always going to be a tough one to get over the line. Um, and so, you know, there was definitely a couple of people that, that, um, that we had some really lengthy discussions with and we were keen on and, and we couldn't quite get them, but um, you know, the, the doors open, the conversations are always going to continue and we've kept a good relationship well, with them and, and we're the top right of the group. I, I think, I, I think for me, just, I think for me, simply you've got to be, you've got to be a consultant. You've got to be able to consult and add value to your process and speak to clients at a level they're on and, and deliver on that. Then that's bit. If you're a transactional recruiter who's just transactional, 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 doesn't want to add value to your process, and then you're probably not right for us. But what what was in what was showing it all? What were the signs or targets or whatever that you had to achieve in the business for you to start hiring? Like, what were the indicators that said, right now's the time? It, if you ask me, I'll say one thing. And if you ask Dan, you'll say another. <laughs> well, I'm asking you, Kev, and then I want to ask Dan. Dan, shut up. Let Kev speak, and we'll figure it out. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm, uh, I love, I love scaling. I love growing something. Um, I probably would take a lot more risk than Dan does. So, so I would see where the opportunity is before it sort of necessarily lands in our bank account. Um, and so. Uh, you know, often I'd be like, right, we've got these clients, we've got these ones, we've got these ones, let's go. We should we should start to bring bring them in now. Uh, where Dan would be like, oh, well, hold on, hold on. What about cash flow? Let's look at the let's look at the the, the, the you know the the numbers and really start to work it out. And, and and that's probably equally where both of us start to balance each other out. Um, I think both Dan and I, it's an incredible um, kind of uh, partnership in the sense that we both want to get to the same end goal. We just take different routes to get there. And uh, and and I think that that's quite a unique uh, situation and, and it doesn't matter what it is. Um, so, you know, we both want to scale, we both want to get to a certain point. And, you know, if I look at what we've achieved in this year against what we had planned to achieve this year from a from a, from a um, employee perspective and a, and a headcount perspective, we've probably gone about 50% over what I think we were, I think we had planned eight people in our first 12 months and we're going to be at 11. So, you know, we've, we've definitely done more than we expected, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, I would probably be sooner than Dan. Um, what you're saying uh, is there was no KPIs for you. It was when you felt like there's enough, there enough <laughs> incoming Kev, action. Kev, 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 I don't Kev. know how you measure that. So Dan, what did you measure it with? Oh, well, Kev, 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 Kev would have been sat there four months in with 40 people, no business, no money, um, <laughs> not, not unable to pay the salary, I think. It felt good though. What felt good? <laughs> I think I think we loosely had we loosely had a plan which is a plan we, we kind of had we wanted pretty, pretty much bring on two people every, every kind of six months right. um which we, we've kind of stuck to we, we might have accepted it a little bit but it's more about uh firstly our Kevin I or or, the, or that person we've got in place at a point where we're at capacity and there's work there with the person could be doing I think that's the first thing you've got to look at there's no point bringing someone in when you when you, you're offloading your work and then you've got nothing to do. So that's number one. Uh, and I think now it's about getting people who once they're sort of at a level where they're paying maybe or recovering 75 or 80% of themselves and they're on their way to being profitable, then at that point we, we can go and say, right, we're ready to go again, bring in the next two, bring in the next two. I think it's it's about scaling, but it's about scaling sustainably. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's that... It's that um, it's that sweet spot between scale and sustainability and not trying to empire build, right? You need to find that balance in the middle. 
Here's a message from our newest sponsor in 2023, The Recruit Hub. Are you thinking about starting a recruiting business in the UK or the USA? If you've thought about it, if you've got any desire to start a recruiting business in the future, or you might have just started up and you think, am I doing it right? Then you can download a startup blueprint and access key information. Information relating to funding. How much money do you actually need and what are your options? Knowing where you stand, you know, what is your non-compete and do you have any restrictions you really need to consider? Do you need a co-founder? What do you need to know about going alone, going with someone else? How to automate your way to billing faster. Business planning basics, things like what is a business plan and how do you write one? Um, and then how do you come up with a name and build a brand? Now, if you are interested in taking this document, our newest sponsor are giving it away for free. They are called Recruit Hub and you can get it at recruit-hub.com forward slash startup hyphen blueprint. The link to this message is in the show notes. So go away, get that free information and see if you're capable of starting a new business or the business you've just started, is it set up for success? Let me know. And did you... Did you do you give them like you say a runway? Here's a few jobs when you come in to work on, and then you expect you expect them then to go and start winning their own. And you can yeah, get yeah, back. And I mean, you, you work your own, or are you are you guys passing it all on now? And no, I, I think I think like, that's what we're saying. We're getting to that point where where, where everyone's stretched, everyone's at full capacity. There's more work taking here to be done, so someone can can then come in, and and there's work for them to get on with and, and go and build the confidence. For me, there's no point bringing in somebody putting them in a, on a really cold desk and, and let them kind of go there because you're almost setting them up to fail in a way and they're going to fail on us, not on them. But that's down to us because yeah. we haven't given them the support and, and the startup and, and the setup to get going. So that, that that's the way from my point of view, how we how we do it. And fair, fair, fair play to Kev, he, he, he's on board with that and, 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 and it's working quite nicely. I think we're also super lucky that we've got a, an incredible network um, of clients out there that, that, um, that we've... You know, been lucky to have since since the start, and and there've been businesses that you know um, that we've known people through for for years, and I think that that leads a lot, right? So um, I guess my my own background in this market has been really strong, and I and I and I've always um, you know formed some strong relationships off the back of that. And if I think about what we where we were um, in our first sort of six months of, of running the business, um, Dan was sort of saying, "Okay, let's let's get some more on, let's get some more on," and I kept saying, "No, we can't we can't quite go and get those new clients yet because whilst they're there, and I know they're there." If we go and get them on too early and we don't deliver because we haven't got the the capacity then you get one shot at it right so so from a strategic point of view there was you know there was a lot of clients that we could go and get but we actually kind of put them on the back burner until we were at a point that we could start to do it so if i think about where we are right now what we're what we're about like you know really openly i think that the idea for us is that we we don't want to be holding those relationships right um one of the the best clients I've ever worked with is a, one of my longest term clients, should I say, is, is a company called Everdroller, or they used to be Infigen Energy. And that that business means so much to me. Um, I've absolutely loved being a part of that organization for, for many years. I've added so many people into that into that company. Um, and the relationship that I've got with with the the, the HR team and, and the, the people and culture team is fantastic. And, you know, we when we got the opportunity to, to get back in with them, um, they... The 
I guess the, the, the personal part of it is that I want to keep that relationship, right? Like I want to make sure that I, I nurture them, I look after them and I, I grow them. Um, but I've also got to be, remember that we've got to scale the, the organization, right? So um, Sunay joined us uh, a few months after we, we got that client on board and already that relationship, I would say, is an ag- arguably has already transferred to her. So being able to pass those relationships over is super important because we've got a lot of relationships, right? And if we kind of keep keep a hold of those relationships, we'll never really scale the business. So pass those relationships over, trust that your team are going to run with them and give them the empowerment to do that. And then they'll start to do it. So, you know, I look at the, the accounts that, that Sunay in particular has got. There's a couple of really strong relationships that we've already had in the business that we've already been able to pass those over. And that will continue, right? We'll get more ones on, we'll pass them into the team. So it's all about kind if of growing their pipeline. If you get good people who can take on work and deliver well, like they'll be fine at taking those relationships on, right? It's when you it's when you when you do go down that junior route you're frightened to death of passing it on because you're like, fuck is going to happen here. And then it, you could lose all. Well, you know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. In terms of the um, the, the kind of the, the volume per client, so like what, how many roles a year do, does a good client for you spit out? It would vary. I think there's like, if I look at the clients we've got right now, most of the, well, I'd say all of the clients we've had multiple repeat business with in the, in the, the 11 months we've been operating. The best, I say best client, the, the, the most volumes probably sitting at around eight or nine rolls from, I'd say, roughly speaking, maybe maybe a bit more. Um, so, you know, over an 11 month period to be able to get that sort of volume out of, out of an account is really great. Um, and most of our fees are sitting at that sort of 25 or 30, 37. So if you do the math, you, you know, there's a couple hundred grand uh, accounts per, per client. I'd say we've probably got without knowing Dan's, Dan's probably got the spreadsheet in front of him, but I would, I would say, uh, shooting should, from the hip here, I'd say we've probably got um, at least five or six clients that are over that kind of 150, 200K repeat business in their first 12 months. Um, is that pretty accurate, Dan? Uh, yeah, probably about that, yeah. yeah. I would say, okay. yeah. And what will you guys bill at the end of your first financial year or first 12 months? So... Where we are at a minute, so we're, we're about a month out, so we're, we're sitting about 1.65 million Aussies, Aussie dollars wow. um, at the moment. And that's, I mean, for nine months about that was Kevin and I, really September. September was when Zuna started. So, well, yeah. Did you set we, the target in year one? Did you have a number you wanted to hit? Um, I think if we look at, we, we didn't really, for, we didn't, we sort of had a, a number we wanted to hit for the first six months to the end of that financial year. Um, and I think that was about, from memory, 300k we'd end up doing about 600 so we pretty much doubled that and then it's two, case, 200, um, sort of 210 210 was the the number for the first six months that we had aimed yeah, for yeah. um and not yeah we did about 600. Yeah. yeah and then for this financial year now we've got we've got a budget of about 2.1 million um 2.1 2.1 million and, and we're tracking really healthily towards that and you know if things keep going the way we are we'll, we'll surpass we'll, we'll surpass that probably um you know end of uh end of q3 sort of hopefully that march april time and, and, and allow us to finish the financial year strongly but you know i'm always uh feet in the ground mate and is it all permanent work is it all, permanent? all permanent yeah, yeah it's, it's all permanent recruitment we we we, we, we want to um we want to start open a contracting business we, we will be doing that i think that's something when we come back from um from christmas and, and case extensive holiday 
Um, I think he's going to, we'll get, we'll get him looking at... Um, Where's Kev's holiday? Where's he going? He's, just, mate, he's off for a month, mate. Where's, where's he not going? Um, yeah, but we'll have that. Uh, we're off to uh, family holiday. We're going to uh, Singapore for for four days, and then Vietnam for for sort of three weeks over the over the Christmas period. Um, I've I've got a let's let's be really clear here. We've we've got a two and a four year old. I it's either going to be fantastic, and we're going to get some re- great support from nannies, or it's going to be an absolute disaster. So um, yeah, I'm, yeah. If you told I'm me, you told me for the you told. <laughs> You told me for the first four days, mate, you were ditching the wife and kids to go on a Bucks party and enjoy a wedding. <laughs> that's, that's sort of accurate, yeah. <laughs> you like me to the show or what? Oh, I'm catching up with all the boys from the UK, so we've got a wedding there, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly playing down uh, what could happen. Uh, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Oh, it sounds it sounds good though. And you, so you said, yeah, building that recurring revenue will be something next year. Then to try and yeah, yeah. Well, I, think, I think like so. Sorry, I just, I, yeah. I, I think when sorry, just to jump in. I think the the when we started the business, we we really kind of had a few really key pillars that we wanted to cover off. Um, and so for us, it was three big things, and it was um, our staff and our team, and really treating them in a in a way that. Um, I think is not necessarily seen in most agencies and really adding value to them. We've, we're going to have a model where we will be setting up a, a, a bit of a share scheme in, in the business and we want to be able to really bring in people and really attract them for the long term. So there's a there's a long-term play for a, from our employee, uh, employees um, and we really want them to be a part of that journey. So there's a lot that we're going to do on that front um, and just treating them really, really well. Um, so that was one big pillar. The other pillar for us was uh, was around creating a recurring revenue stream. Um, and that's something that we had always envisioned would be kind of mid mid next year. So so 18 months um, into uh, into our journey um, is when we start to model the the contractors starting to come into that. Um, we have also recognized that there's an opportunity in the market to, to do things differently on that contractor space. So um, without going into too much detail, um, we'll catch up in a year's time and see where that's got to. But we're going to build a, a pretty sort of, hopefully, a pretty unique platform that will uh, engage with the market in a different way. And um, and we're pretty confident in the response that we're going to get from that. The, the contracting market for us uh, is different to your, your typical contracting market because what we probably see more of, particularly in the in the energy ESG sustainability space, is probably more like senior level consultants, right? So um, not the not the sort of hourly rate contractors, but rather the you know two thousand, three thousand dollar a day consultants that are going in and doing a specific piece of work or an assignment or piece you know with the board or something like that. So we see more uh, opportunity in those individuals. Um, and I feel like there's an opportunity in the market um, to create something that will uh, assist that talent pool um, in a in a way that's not been done in, in our knowledge, not been done before. So we'll 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 kind of circle back in the in twelve months on that one. But that could be a really kind of big um, recurring revenue stream that we're looking to tap into, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, contractors will still be a part of our business, and there is opportunity for that. Um, your typical kind of site based contractors. Um, you know, engineers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So those will become a part of it as well. But I think there's a, there's a play that we're gonna, we're looking into in that sort of more senior uh, consulting space. Um, and then the third pillar for us was branding. Um, branding was super important as and super important from day one. Um, you know, I think as a business starting off, we invested heavily into into that, and we really wanted to try and create a brand that was going to be recognised in the market. 
um, for us, that's been, a, we've, we've, we've put it as one of our three pillars and it's going to remain as one of our big three pillars. You know, we're 11 months in um, and uh, just last week or, or, or even this week, potentially, um, we've just uh, signed up a, a marketing agency to do a full um, brand strategy for us. Um, we're redoing our, our whole website right now, which is going to be super, super exciting. So kind of going to replicate what we do from a recruitment perspective, which is really working in an engagement model with our clients. What we're looking to do with our website is actually, you know, on like, say, Seek, Seek or Indeed, you, you go on, you, you see a company, you see the jobs that they're working, and then you can sort of click on it and see which other jobs they've got, right? So there'll be a job advertised, and then you'll see the other ones that they've got. Our website we're going to we're building right now is going to replicate that sort of model. So we're going to have our clients going to have a page on our website. It's going to give information to those businesses, what they're about, who they are. And then when we've got roles with them and maybe multiple roles, if you click on the, the project manager role, um, you'll see that there's these other roles with that company as well. So it's really kind of creating that that connection with the businesses we support um, and trying to do things differently, like creating that that platform for them um, where they've got that sort of area, but also for the candidate market, we can't understate how valuable that is, right? They, they know that they're coming to a business that's got those relationships, that's got those roles on. We're, we're not afraid of talking about who we work with. It's not, a, yeah. not even a, an issue for us because the way that we work with our clients, it's 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 just an added value, right? So there'll be recruiters out there that will see opportunity and think that they can float through to them and all the rest of it. And, and, and good good luck to them, good, good, good approach, go for it, right? But that's not us. And what we're trying to do is create a different approach. You know, one of our one of our values as a business is to be the change, right? So when we think about how can we approach recruitment, it's about let's do things differently. Like there's 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 so much opportunity for improvement. Don't be afraid to make the change, right? So that's that's one of the big things we, we drive towards. So yeah, branding is a huge part and, and come um, probably January, February, we're gonna have a big launch on that. We've actually hired a marketing uh, coordinator to join us full time in January. Um, so we'll be really starting to push our brand. Obviously we're jumping on the Hoxo Academy um, and everyone's gonna be um, in, in, in on that. And every new person that we get is gonna go through that model as well. So. Branding, we cannot understate that, and it's going to be a huge, huge part of what we're about because we can build a brand that's recognised in the market. That's a pillar that we want. Um, so those are our three big. And you mentioned everything. that phrase, "be the change." I'd say that is literally my story. If you if you look back at what I did from 2017 when I launched Hoxo, I believed that LinkedIn was going to become this social media platform, and recruiters were going to be the, you know, so important on LinkedIn, and it was going to become more and more. So I decided to be the change. I was like, I'm going to be the guy that stands up and, and tests it first and goes for it. And, and you know, I completely, completely agree with that that mindset. And and you you won't, you know, you'll break a bit. You'll you'll learn what works and what doesn't. And then you'll find what you'll, you'll, you'll find the right thing for you, the right products and services that, you know, you might trial something that doesn't quite stick, but other things will. Um, guys, can I just say, like, 1.6 million Australian dollars in 11 months is is some going, right? It's incredible. Um, building a team, you'll be 11 people. I just want to say, well done. It's, um, you know, it's. A, I love these. I love this show. This is my favorite of all my things I do. This is my favorite thing. I love my job. I love my branding stuff, but I do love my podcast more um, because I get to <laughs> learn. I get to learn as well as as well as you know impact people. And, and you know, I'm picking. I'm listening and picking things up from you guys and. Um, a lot of people say, you know, 
do you just interview the big, do you just want to interview the big guys, the big, big companies? And, you know, no, the truth is there's so much innovation in, in first year businesses, second year businesses, because often you can rip things up without the pressure of all the headcount behind you and you can just do it your way. And I think what you guys have done in the last year is you've, you've done it your way and it, and it's paying off so well done. I oh, mean, and, and likewise, mate, congrats. I mean, the, like, I love the podcast. I've been listening to it probably for three or four years, right? Every week and certainly, mate, for, for someone who's, who's involved in, in, in a startup or, or setting up a business in year one, mate, there's so much to learn on, on those guests every week. It's, it's, it's been awesome just taking ideas from here, ideas from there, hearing what people have done. So, yeah, mate, like, keep, keep it going because it's, um, it's an unreal learning tool, the podcast for us, certainly for me. We're not going anywhere. We've got, we're getting more and more to do in terms of um anyone listening who, who you know i think you will get people want to pick your brains on this the productized model the retained service the odro implementation the, the the philippines um back off well not back office but sub- candidate support management if anyone wants to just ping you a note on linkedin to ask questions are you okay with that or the recruitment founders yeah, or that, yeah that's founders? fine mate yeah of course and yeah. we've got the two, the two uh evs email address just down at telesco.com.eu and and Kev at telesco.com.eu and we're both on LinkedIn and I'll both on the website. On, I'll tag you on everything that, that we're connected to, but um, we'll stop there. But thanks so much. Um, I want to get you back on, guys, in a year's time, all right? So we can, I know I know it's a long way out, but if we plan for Q4, you, you know, Q4 2024, I want to see where you're going as we roll into the into year two and see if, uh, do, all right, my final question is, where are you going to be? So if I interview you in on 21st of November, 2024, Paint. I want. I want two separate visions here. I can. They're going to be quite different. I'm going to start with Kev. Kev, <laughs> what, what are you going to be telling me the business looks like in 12 months' time? Oh, mate, I thought you were talking about where we're going for holiday. I was thinking, God, it's been a way off. Um, but uh, who knows? Um, I, I do love a good holiday. Um, look, where's the business going to be? I think for me, um, I really want to be getting to a. Oh, this is a hard one. I would say we will be maxing out of capacity in the Brisbane office. Um, so that means we'll be adding at least another six to the office. Um, so that's probably my uh, objective. I, I'd love to be starting to look to open up a second office. Um, so so Melbourne was was kind of where we're where we're thinking at this stage. Um, so um, yeah. Max out the, the capacity in the in the Brisbane office, uh, opening, looking to open up, and probably maybe not quite opened up, but but looking to open up an office in in Melbourne, um, and have a a, a new uh, way of uh, reaching out to consulting market um, with the the platform we're looking to build. I'd, I'd love to have that operational um, in the next twelve months. And a contract, and a contract book up and running. Yeah, contract book. So Dan, contract book. Max that office, looking at a second location and consulting. They're the three things in twelve months. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's I think that'd be it. And I, and I think for me, where thing is is really um, stamping our mark in, in the market and, and being the sort of go-to people when it comes to you know when it comes to that, that energy sector, ESG sustainability. I want I want Telesca to be the name that people automatically associate or, or, or come to, and, and I think actually be be real market experts and 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 be people who people want to work with us um, rather than we're sort of going and chasing them. So, yeah, let's see. Fingers well, crossed. Guys, I wish you all the best for 12 months. We'll get you back on the show uh, and stay safe in the meantime, all right? Cheers, mate. Appreciate Thanks it. very Cheers. much.
Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly hope that you got value from it. Honestly, it's the only reason I take time every week to ensure that my audience, you guys, future and existing recruitment owners, you're learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. And today's episode is brought to you by my business, Hoxo. I'm the CEO and founder, and we're on a mission to help brand recruitment agencies and their people better. I wanna help people have the tools to stand out in the most competitive markets in the world. We're currently working with over 350 recruitment agencies and 5,000 of their consultants right now, helping them to build their personal brands to consistently win more business, attract talent, and just become that go-to recruiter in the market. Now we do have a huge coaching program, but a lot of people don't know, we also manage the brands of a lot of founders and we can do the rebrand of that company organizational piece as well. So if your recruitment agency either needs help to look and sound exactly how you want it to, or your leadership and consultant level need to get out there and drive more traffic back to that website, to the business and start using LinkedIn to generate more revenue, then you should definitely be reaching out to us. If that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean, a personal message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from RAG listeners. I would love to talk to you. Uh, Look forward to it. So I'll see you again next week with another episode. Catch you soon.